ghost style. Hey, Smiley, thanks for coming on the podcast. That's why hey, anytime. Yeah. Glad we worked out the bugs. Yeah. So we've been sitting here for like, I don't know, uh, half an hour, just trying to get my shit together here and get my pot, my computer freed up some space. And then we tried FaceTime. We tried everything. And it seems like Skype, it's pretty clear right now, though. Yeah, it's working pretty good. Good. So um, I moved closer to my, um, to my Wi-Fi connection. So hopefully it's like, it's good. Um, we were talking about beer a second ago and I was telling you how I'm just drinking Budweiser cause it's rice beer and you're like, it's not even beer. Yes. I, I, when I moved to, uh, East Vancouver, I fully immersed myself into yeah. that culture a little bit. Yeah. And I actually, for a little while, I immersed myself too much. Right. I was, I was participating in the release of these new beers at all the breweries to the right. point where it was happening almost every day. And I was drinking multiple beers every day. Next thing you know, I was well up over 200 pounds and, right. uh, yeah, had to curb had to curb that a little bit. It's funny because like everybody likes to drink beer, and if if you're in a place like I'm not a I'm not like a like a craft beer guy. Like I like craft beer. Mm. We got Coast Mountain beer here and Worcester beer here, and you know mm. there are people think of those places, but um, we don't get craft beer up here much. And I just I have uh, allergies. I'm like a bubble boy, so like I can't. Sometimes it's too hoppy. I start sneezing. People think I got the COVID, and then it's like all this stuff. So. But you just told me there's like 15 breweries within your within kind of within like few kilometers or even if that of your house, with uh, less than a kilometer probably. <laughs> so everyone's doing like we got a cask tasting, we got these things, and you're like, cool, I'm gonna just do a brewery tour, which ends up just being like, I mean, just a debaucherous afternoon, I'm sure, right? Well, well, I live just up on a little bit of a rise, so from my front door, I can push on my longboard, give one push, right. and just on the one push, if the lights are all working for me, yeah. I will pass six breweries and never push one more time. But then you got to get home after you've done that and get to push up the hill, right? Yeah, you just walk. Oh, yeah, right. Fair enough. You're usually carrying a four-pack at the same time. Speaking <laughs> of four-packs, this is one oh, of yeah. Superflux's finest. Yeah, it's so called Marigold. Marigold? Is it a it's fruity, yeah. you said, or is it? It's a hop-forward, hazy pale ale. Okay, right. So I've been going more toward that style of beer because the – Pale ales are usually a little less alcohol mm. volume than the East Coast style IPAs that are like six and a half, six, eight, seven, yeah. eight. Like some of them are pretty high test. I was, I had interviewed, um, I did a podcast with the owner of Coast Mountain Brewery here, Kevin Winter, mm -hmm. uh, super good guy. A lot mm -hmm. ago, talking about how like the hazy beers are a bit more easier to make and a lot of breweries are making them because there's less refining that has to be done. But mm -hmm. um, yeah. Two pints, and you're like, you're on your way. You're like, either you're going for it, or you got to get the hell out of there. Like, yeah, I, you're committed or you're not. Yeah, <laughs> and like, there was a beer they were making. They they couldn't serve it in certain size because it was like nine percent. Oh yeah, that's too, too much. Too, yeah, it's like, it, it, I never I never had it. I think it's gone now. But um, yeah, the the craft beer thing, especially in East Van, like I always I see Dano post about a bunch of stuff. Just like there seems to be. Um, I don't know if it's just cheap real estate there, probably, and people can get a big space. And um, no, it's the zoning. Oh, it's oh, the zoning oh. of what you're able to do here. So they're right. because they're all concentrated in these areas. The the zoning on the commercial spaces are set up for breweries. Oh, okay, right. And it and they're set up right in the middle of residential areas. 
so it's easy to walk to these. What a business model. It's actually, it's actually the perfect storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause like, yeah, like I, I love that I can walk or pedal breweries across the street from my house. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, I, mean, I don't want to go, I don't usually just go for one beer when I do, I feel kind of weird. So it's like, um, it is a, it's that thing where people just want to go and the, every brewery is pretty unique too. They have a cool experience and they're always trying to be kind of hip and, and mm-hmm. have a good vibe. And then, uh, and they're putting out so many different beers all the time, right? There's always different stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. Are you, um, have you abandoned all straight, like, uh, like this kind of shit? Have you been abandoned? I, that, that, that's, that's a bad there's, example. There's, a, there's some, there's some people that enjoy that stuff. Personally, it's not for me. Right. I find it tastes more like horse piss. Right. Yeah, where where this tastes like nectar of the gods. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm very snobby about it. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. I, I'm okay yeah. with that. I, I'm a kind of a shit beer drinker, only because I do find that sometimes, like, uh, yeah, I'll have like my throat will all be itchy, I'll be feel all weird, and I'll be like, I can't keep drinking this beer, especially like sours and stuff. Um, yeah. You're not the only one who goes through that. I find yeah. there's like, quite a few people have that. Yeah, but I do. I would like. I like them. Um, I don't like Budweiser that much, but I'm trying to be a little, this is going to sound so dumb. I'm trying to be a little bit better with my health. And so I'm not going to drink drinking shittier beer for some reason, but someone told me that rice beer is better for you. So I'm just going to go with that until someone tells yeah. me. <laughs> um, it wasn't a doctor by any means, but yeah. Yeah. I you think, heard somebody who heard somebody. Yeah. So was, I like rice beer. That, I feel like you somebody that was in the know. Yeah. I feel like yeah. bloated was, was the, what I, what I heard. I'm like, Oh, cool. So I don't yeah. want to be bloated. So I'll just drink. But I'm trying to curb my drinking because yeah. uh, having this much time, you know, I, I mean, it's that whole thing where they talk about when there's like pandemics or, uh, or like something happens, uh, alcohol consumption goes, goes up. It did. Yeah. It's clear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, I've experienced it for the past six months. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if you, I didn't know you lived in, in East Ann. I didn't know. Cause you used to live up here in Worcester. Um, yep. Okay, so we'll backtrack here. Everybody, I'm talking to Smiley Nesbitt here, who, um, like, OG skier from fuck, before time existed, kind of like, I don't know, you've been, you, you were skier. Early 90s. I got there in 1990. Yeah, that would have been an awesome time to be in Worcester. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you were here, and then you moved, I don't know where you moved around, but you traveled around, skied, and, you know, did your thing as a pro skier, and then um, um, you're like a Solomon guy for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, so we met... Uh, it, just just a little plug here it is one of the remaining companies that still flows me a little bit of flow and yeah thanks solomon great. you're doing a great job yeah i Anything. still have the solomon like stl 16s from like 10 years ago still skiing like almost every day like i don't get flow anymore so i gotta just keep my stuff together yeah. but <clears throat> yeah no so you would do that for yeah like you're like when you're when you think about your pro career it was like 15 years 20 years how long did it span like 10 years 10 years. Okay. 10 years I was 10 years I was paid to ski. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And then uh so now you live in Vancouver, uh in East Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh on real estate. Is that your 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 main gig now? Yes, just like every other washed up pro skier out I, there. They hey, a lot of them tend to kind of veer in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm well, not the first. Big, I mean, Vancouver, BC is a, a real estate like it's people are buying houses, they're expensive houses. Like you can do, you know, you can people are moving here. Um and it's a good place to live. You know, and I, I, I can see why it's a, it's a good transition, the job, the transition to, um, cause I can, I can make it a little clearer and a little easier. Um, if you've skied your whole life, 
you don't have any education other than what you've learned as a skier. I didn't want to say that, but yeah. And then once you get to a certain age, your uh, windows of opportunity get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. And for a little while, I was lucky enough. I was starting to go down the sports marketing road. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I stopped skiing was I got offered a job at Oakley and that didn't pan out. Right. I went all the way through like three interviews, a flown out, the whole deal. Yeah. And then it didn't work out. And then I ended up working for Kona Bicycles. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, Kona. Yeah, right. Cool. And you manager uh, something, did you go and like babysit all the athletes around when they travel? Yeah, that's pretty much what I did. So what was happening is like four years into it, I'm just getting older. They're just getting younger. And all of a sudden I'm sharing a hotel room in Winter Park, Colorado with a 15 year old. And I was just like, yeah, this wow, is- I am not relevant whatsoever anymore. This is crazy. And I had to, it just didn't, it, it was not for me. It's hard. My heart wasn't into it. Yeah. And it's also hard. Some people don't recognize that right away. They, they try to like hang on and they don't, they're not realistic about what's going on. Cause like, you know, it's people who are, um, just try to keep it going. And I know a lot of guys now, it seems like real estate and construction, um, or unless you were somehow some kind of like nerd on the back end, you did something different in tech and you've gone somewhere else. But, um, I mean, real estate's, I mean, you can, you're busy, you have ups and downs and as far as time goes, but you're, you probably work on weekends a lot, I guess, with people want to yeah. look at and stuff. Weekend, I work when everybody else isn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when they're not the working. Inside of that is when they're working, I'm yeah. not. Hey, shred so, or ski, whatever. I tend to ski when there's no lift lines. I can ride my bike when there's nobody else on the trails. So especially yeah. during the COVID thing, it's been pretty sweet. Yeah. Fucking COVID thing. But, um, okay. So then we, I, 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 that always, I mean, it always comes up for some reason because it's a popular thing we're talking about right now. But, um, I'm going to skip by COVID for a bit here. But, uh, yeah. I, I am, uh, the real estate thing has actually hit my brain too last little while. I'm like, oh, that's not people are doing this. And I'm like, and I think, the good thing about skiers is you got to be personable because you got to meet people. And even though you got to be a good skier, if you're an asshole, people don't want to work with you unless you're like the best skier ever. But you got to have good people skills. And real estate, in my opinion, is like, and there's also the, the paperwork side and, you know, crunching the numbers and being on point. But you have like lawyers and stuff helping you out, know, people who are like really on point with that stuff. Yeah, I would you're, you're, you're always handing off yeah. a lot of the transactions. But it, with it seems- and you're working with a mortgage broker to put cr- crunch yeah. numbers you just have to know what's going on in that neighborhood yeah for sure and then proper advice and be a friendly guy and meet people and like chat with people and like you know you got to be a salesman and mm-hmm. as, as professional athletes so you get to that point where you're regarded you need to get people's you know on your side and so it seems like a pretty good transition or a good job to transition to anyway mm-hmm. but, i meet i meet a lot of other realtors out there right now i know yeah. it's not the most exciting topic but uh, um the realtors that i meet it's funny. You, it took me a long time to pass the course because I obviously didn't know how to study for things like that. Or, uh, yeah. And, uh, but as soon as I passed the course, I had like the marketing side of it was down. The, I, I the, the rest of the part of that business was pretty natural for me. Right. So it, it was, it was kind of funny when I'm talking to colleagues and they're like, I'm like, how's your database? And they're just, they're like, Oh, I got my mom. And her. And I'm, you know, I'm working on it and I'm just looking at, I'm standing there like, I got like eight, I had to whittle down my database from 1500 people to 700 to 400. Right. So when I turned it on, I just reached out to a few people and said, Hey, I'm doing this now. And it just kind of snowballed. I think too, is like, excuse me, uh, this, but I make me burp. The, the gone are the days of like the stuffy realtor. I think there are those people now they're still in it, but like people like, you know, our age and stuff are there 
it's it's a good fit because people aren't as uptight and and like housing is a bit different for people their their needs are different um and i was like oh i gotta get a house so i can have a kid and a wife and everything else it's like i gotta get a house because i want to live somewhere and it's more like trying to find what fits their lifestyle not just buy a house and you know that that is their lifestyle and i think people like yourself just that's the people that are that are coming up are like they want someone like you or like that's not wearing a suit or i'm sure there's people like if you're an upper left if you're trying to like sell a four billion dollar home it doesn't even exist but like it seems like it's a, day, it's a totally different clientele yeah for sure and they weren't being serviced before because they'd have to go to some guys on the side of a bus being like whatever you know <laughs> and then with a yeah. dumbass like i remember when i was a kid my hometown there was this dude who's like he's like this real sleazy salesman uh real estate guy he's been around forever he had yeah. this big he had this big um big billboard he's still there i went home like i drove home to ontario this summer and the billboard's still there same guy people kept drawing giant mustaches on it for 30 years they've been doing it right and his billboard's still there he won't remove it he'll re and people go and drop a mustache i can't guy's name's john something and then i i saw there's a case study somewhere where there was a guy in in the u.s had the same thing happen to him but it made him famous and now he's like this like i wish i remember his name um because it, it made me laugh because people kept fucking with his signs and he made him, he made him famous because he's like, I don't care. He left them up. But I just, anyway, I, I just think of like, you know, the old school, even Vancouver, you see it a bunch, you know, the people on buses, I would never call a guy on a bus and try to sell my home. Ever. I've never met anyone. No, none of my peer group have ever reached out to anybody who is on a yeah. billboard or a bus. <laughs> like, I I mean, like, it seems like it's a waste of money. I don't know the people that do that. Well, the ones but that maybe do, there are some people that do. There's gotta be right. I mean, there's still, people still do it. I, I mean, I would get, I think a billboard would be cool to have, but just like have your face on it and say hello to people on it would not even be part of like, I've already had a billboard. Oh, you have, you had a billboard. Oh yeah. Oh, no, the billboard on Britannia beach. You had that one. Yeah. Big Solomon ad. So oh, I've been there. Right. And, yeah. yeah. Ad. Sorry. I thought you meant like real estate. Nope. No nope. ski stuff. Right. So, okay. Real estate's super boring. So let's talk about something. <laughs> let's but, go to uh, something else. Yeah. So I, I, so I was telling this story, I think I was talking to Mark Adma yesterday. Was it Adma? Yeah. It was Adma yesterday. And I was talking about how you were, I was going to talk to you at Burger because Burger's going to come on soon. Uh, Eric oh, okay, yeah. So um, I was talking about how I met all you guys. And I had just gotten this job at Whistler Blackcomb when I was the athlete manager. I didn't really, I, didn't really, I just skied for fun. I didn't really know athletes. Mm -hmm. And I went up the mountain with you guys one day. It was yourself. It was um, Les Anthony, Paul Morrison, Bonnie McCarowitz, uh, uh, Douglas. I think it's either Andy, uh, uh, David Melanson and... Mm -hmm. I don't know who else is up there that day. Maybe Annie Belanger or, or uh, Mayel Ricker. I can't remember. Anyway, mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. I didn't really. And I was like, when I sat and when I was listening to you and Paul Morrison and, and Les Anthony start talking, I was like, these guys are fucking amazing. I was so stoked. <laughs> up. Everyone else is super nice. Everyone's amazing. They're all good people. But you guys had this like, whoops. You guys had this like, just this like. Honest. We're super opinionated. <laughs> I, I am now too. I love it. And so I think you helped maybe see that was okay to be that way and still be successful. And mm -hmm. so I remember that day. Um, and you know, you know, I think I was, I wasn't in shock. I didn't really know what was happening. I learned to be so appreciative that day. Like maybe a year later, I was like, wow, this is the people I was with. It was really cool. Uh, but it helped shaped my, my cynicism. I don't want to say cynicism because that's kind of a heavy word, but like it helped shape my, um, my views towards humor and just calling shit on stuff when it's not the way it's supposed to be. Right. Or like when you're kind of like we're doing all this work, and you're just using us for this shit. So it stands in my memory as like a day of, uh, it set a tone for how I kind of am. I thought, I think it was great, you know? And, 
you know, we got good pow that day. And then, you know, I used to love do, that. Maybe love doing those. It was like, a, we would do like a pre winter shoot for anybody listening. who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Mr. Blackham would do these like early season. Which, which Vale doesn't do anymore. <laughs> no, they don't give a shit. They do like early season yeah. fucking cancel your pass program. Uh, <laughs> so I have, I'm bitter with that. Speaking so, opinions. Yeah. I, I had to buy my pass for the first time in 15 years last year. And, uh, oh. So I know what you're going through back in the day, but I remember that just it, we would do these video shoots every every year before. Uh, you know this, I'm just telling people. So to get the hype going, they call them snow. I don't know what they call them anyway. Little videos. It's like preseason hype. Yeah, we'd get a lift up there on the gondola early, and we have like Doug Mack around or, or patrol to help us in the sled and stuff. And it was just really cool. Smiley was the king of sinking a turn. And he's like just like making it look good in, in an inch of snow or two feet of snow, whatever. But um, it's set on top of rocks. Was, making the tomahawk look good but there was that was that just set me that made me love those it it set me up to love those shoots i did so many of them i must have done like i don't know i mean we would do like four or five a year um and even just every time it snowed we would do them right i probably did like 150 of those shoots and organized them and it made me love that day made me think they were so fun they should be fun and i thought i was so stressed at first but you guys were like, yeah, we're going to get done. Don't worry. But no, we've been doing this for years. It's fine. You know, and it just made me love those times. And so every time I, I, I talk to you or I hear you, I'm like, oh, yeah. That day um, on Whistler, we skied like. Oh, you've always had a special uh, place in my heart too, buddy. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Right. Yeah, I think just the, the, the goofiness of it all and just how much they relied on those things to happen and how much how fun they were in the moment. Like, and we started taking up, you know, over the time, it got harder and harder to do them. Um, mm-hmm. and then the director of marketing, Stuart Rempel, would run upstairs. Hey Ryan, we're doing a snow shoot tomorrow. I'm like, uh, I guess so it's in snow. You have to organize it. But I mean, those are big days when there was sometimes we took helis up there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, I don't think I, you and I did a heli day at all, but, um, I did them before you were around. We did a, we did a couple with Mike Varon when he was kind of leading the charge a little bit. Yeah. Like the people that did this stuff, Mike Varon's a legend too. If anybody wants to look that guy up, he's still in town, but, um, at those, those times I just, I didn't really, I, I love to ski, but I didn't appreciate what skiing meant and how it came to be as much until I met you guys and met and saw those times of like, okay, hey, this is what actually like people do this cause they fucking love it, you know? And it doesn't matter. Um, you know, if it's like what's happening around, it's like, we just go and ski. And I think it was so stressful. Then I remember like, well, it's, it's pow. I mean, people love that. And they, those videos worked and I don't know why, I don't know what's, I guess they just got so busy. Didn't matter. Right. And Vales doesn't need to operate a little video from from Colorado wherever they're at um, mm-hmm. anymore. I, I mean, I went skiing today. The, the, you mean you mean the actuary in Boulder yeah. doesn't want to put somebody out before the safety protocols are in place in case right. there might be some sort of litigation involved from yeah. Like they they used to do it. They would still do it. Like I, even on the years I still skied here, I would see you know the the new crew that did it. They would still go up in the morning early and do it, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't the same. The vibe was just different. It didn't seem, it seemed a bit more like, stop drinking Budweiser. It seemed like a little bit more like, um, just less of a thing, you know? It didn't seem as big of a deal, you know? I guess it's been doing it for years, but um, I went skiing today and. Uh, How was it, by the way? Oh, dude, it was great. I did like three or four laps. I found some pal. I got my little stash that I went to and um, I got a new covered- jacket. And I couldn't figure out my whole like headphone and phone thing. That was <laughs> annoying thing. I did, there's no pocket where I normally is and stuff. But um, no, skiing today was great. It's good. Yeah, it was wasn't oh, that nice. busy. Lineup, I can't believe it took me this long to actually ask you, dude. The lineup 
the lineup today. I don't know if anybody knows this, but from the at the base of Blackcomb, I don't I don't really ski on Whistler much. I ski on the rock a lot. And when you go from like the lineup from the base of Blackcomb, it went all the way to the past Portobello, down all the way to the road. I was standing I was standing in front of, I was standing in front of, like um, I, I was standing in front of the entrance to the Fairmont when I got there. Cause I was just dinking around. I was like got there. I wanted to make sure my pass worked. So I went and checked it first so I didn't have to get in line. Yeah. Ken Achenbach was freaking out today because his reservation doesn't wasn't accepted and he was like that guy's been around. Uh, 150 years in Wizard. It's crazy. Yeah. Speaking but, um, of opinions. <laughs> yeah. His Facebook his comments are hilarious. So, um, <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you, um, the gondola and everything else, uh, by the time like when I heard the cheers going, when the gondola opened, mm-hmm. 10 minutes, I'd walk through the village, maybe 15 minutes, I'd walk, I'd walk through, the lineup was done. Um, I saw the singles line was empty. By the time I realized we had a singles line, I forgot from last year. Mm-hmm. And so I hopped in and I was up by, I was at the top by nine o'clock. At oh, the line- amazing crazy right um there's no alpine but snow is good you know we're doing like how are the lines like with all the protocols and spacing and all that stuff on the mountain zero oh wow they didn't care uh the gondola on the gondola though at the bottom it's like i think it's like just like you know safe face down there um Mm -hmm. but uh they were saying i was in singles line it was like me and other guy like if you're okay going together you have you can do two singles at a time in the gondola just two of us you could go in groups like they were saying if you're a group yep so i think it was i, I didn't really pay attention i was like just get me on i think it was six i think it's the standard six thing mm-hmm. stuff um but yeah it was just it was fine it's good got up there skied shred bit of an inversion so it's snowing oh, down wow. it was up top um but i fucking love skiing that's good i was like this is cool i was like doing oh, that but it makes I, me happy to hear that it's totally, a funny story this is sorry i'm interviewing myself here but um so I let, I let my old, I have a pair of old rock skis. I lent them out to a friend last year who came to visit. His brother was in town. So I let him borrow all my gear. I guess they adjusted my, the bindings. And I let, I knew that, but I didn't think I, I didn't think about it when I put them on today. Mm-hmm. So I go up, I park at base two and I click and I, they, they feel fine. I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I start skiing under like, like just, I'm like maybe a fifth, hundred fifty yards away from my car. Maybe, maybe not, maybe like whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm just not far from my car. I go to ski down under the, under the magic, magic chair and I hit a cross stitch and just fucking double eject. Boom. Gone. My body is still, I'm like, I'm I scorpion. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like maybe a minute and a half into skiing for this year. And, uh, on my face, I'm like, fuck some guy comes by. He's like, you okay, dude. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I got up and I had to ski down the rest of the way. And then I got to the top, fixed my bindings, but yeah, it's just, I, I just, it didn't matter. I was laughing. It was good. It was good to be up there. People were excited. Um, nobody was bitching and moaning. The lineups were long at the bottom, but everyone seemed to be happy. It was cool. Oh, good. Oh, I miss opening day. I, I, I think came across one of my Instagram feeds. We were talking about how I never missed an opening day, like in almost my entire life. Oh, yeah. And in the last three or four years, I've missed most of them. And it's because you turn into a grown up. Yeah, right. And you know what? Growing up sucks. I, I, I like I like opening day. The vibe, even when it's crappy snow, like maybe when there's like two little man-made ski runs that go down and it's just ice. I'd ski to like almost one o'clock in the afternoon on that shit. Yeah. Because it's a shit day skiing is a hell of a lot better than a great day at work. Oh, dude, 100%. <laughs> I, so like, what's happening now is everything's expensive. Everyone, Everyone's trying to get, everyone wants, it's just, this is something I thought about this morning and because um, it wasn't that bad this morning. It was pretty pretty mellow. But I think 
back when, when, when I was younger, when you were younger, I didn't, when I was younger, I was trying to get in Ontario and opening day wasn't a big, I used to ski race whenever I was lame and everything else. But, uh, I think now though, there's so much pressure. It's so busy. Everyone's expecting it to be a scene. They're trying to rush there. And so opening day is like almost like, um, like a check off of the list you're trying to get accomplished where yeah. when I first came here, opening day was like, it's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, just more of like a feeling of it was less than like, um, like a scheduled agenda, you know, mm-hmm. I, felt that, I felt that today. I didn't feel that today I, much. I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I felt it more in the last five or six years. And I felt today didn't feel like that at all. So everyone oh, was awesome. to ski because it felt like everyone's probably like, is it going to be open? Are we open? And then they did open like, cool. And then we could ski. Um, and that's, I skied like four laps. I know. Do a switch, but you know, swashing around. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but shoesing. Yeah, shoesing. Yeah, for sure. But uh, <laughs> tons of pizza, tons of French fries. Uh, did you, did you grow up? Where'd you grow up? You grew up in the West, in BC, right? In the West Coast? No, I never did. Oh, no, I, I grew up in the Gano Valley. Oh, 400 oh. feet of thigh burning hell. Dude, right. Okay. Yeah. Quebec. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was born in Wakefield, Quebec, and there's a little ski hill there called Vorlage. Right. And it was only T bars. Right. And, but I lived right beside Edelweiss and I was such a little shit. I got banned from there when I was nice. So I had to hitchhike 11 kilometers to Vorlage. Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn, 13 I... years old with your skis, hitchhiking. Cause you could do that when you were 13 back yeah. in the day. Yeah. No, one was gonna, I mean, yeah. if you got adopted, it was a story now just like, yeah, uh, sorry. I find out the funniest joke, but, um, I, I kind of, I knew that now that you mentioned that I knew that. I just think I just kind of was like assuming, but, um, so I grew up in Ontario. I used to ski in Quebec all the time. I had an uncle and aunt and uncle in Hull, Quebec. We used to go to Trombois a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. But um, probably a good style. You're good. You're French. You have good clothing style. That's why it's the it's the base. You got to set that base. Yeah. Like uh, having did, actually, that's that's something that I, I find has been was lost. It used to really bother me before. Right. Now I just don't care because now I'm more grown up. And you but realize. there was a lot of skiers I found out there that were very good in the air, very good at doing tricks, doing all these, you know, but their actual ski style was just kind of backseat sliding around with their hands in their pockets. Right. And it just, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Right. And I was, I was quite vocal about it for a while, but now I don't really care. Yeah. I mean, I as long as everybody's having fun, that's the most important part. Then you grow up and you realize it's about having fun and like, because everyone's trapped up in their own little idea of like what's happening. Because also when you're trying to become a professional athlete, you need to be, you need to care about those certain things. Otherwise, because people do care about it. Mm-hmm. If you look like a gomer or if you have a strap on your glove flapping off, that photo's not going anywhere. If you get no. a picture you're, and your arm's in a weird spot, you look like, you know, you're pouring coffee and you're not supposed to be. I, I, I used to call it the imaginary gate. You, right. you see guys skiing like this. I saw it today. And I was like, what are, what are you doing? There's, there's nothing there. You swatting flies? Like, like, I, like, I, it makes me so <laughs> I want to even hang up right now and go push my head into the wall. That makes me, feeling <laughs> how we don't, I, I actually do care about style apparently, but like. Yeah, apparently. Or like the weird bend out in the knee. Anyway, oh God, we can't go down this rabbit hole of, of, of style. But um, I just think that uh, today didn't feel that way. Today was just, nobody cared. They're like, we're just skiing. And I felt like. Oh. You know, I was talking to some dude on the mountains or on the gondola way up, this big tall guy. And I don't know if he's tall or not, but he's a, a giant human. I was like, oh, like, you need two gondolas, bro. And, uh, are you six feet apart? No, I'm like three and a half. I don't know. Four feet. Yeah. <laughs> Stop making it out when he was watching. But, um, yeah. uh, 
we were just chatting about skiing. He's like, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I, last year I, I bought these skis last year and the first day on them, I flew my knee or something like that. So I've been skiing since last year and I, this is my second time on these skis. And he was just like, I'm just happy to be up here, man. He's like, I don't care. And, uh, I think probably having a lot, that's probably a lot of people's idea of it. And because there's no people traveling from across the world trying to get here or no one's rushing from Vancouver to get here to like in that, in that intense, you know, state of mind. So it's mostly locals, I think. I mean, probably tons of Vancouver. They did. I did notice that Vail did put up a um, a notice saying we're not really well. Oh, skier traffic from Vancouver right now for uh, COVID reasons. Then I have to eat my words because I was like, they don't give a shit. Like, yeah. I just, well, yeah. they did. They actually, I, I read it somewhere. It was in some yeah. news article. Like, That's good. My That's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, it sucks that it, it's not this, that can't happen. It sucks that you know people can't come places, but there is a no matter how you feel about this whole thing, there's something that's got, I mean, people got to pay attention, you know, at some point. Mm-hmm. But if I was in Vancouver, I don't know if I probably would have come up here. I don't know if I would have done, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, mean, I, I went up Cyprus yesterday and that's why I was yeah, asking I all the, uh, yeah. that's why I was asking all the things about Whistler is that there it's a little different. There's such a big population and the vertical is substantially less. Right. So that you spend a lot of time on the lift lines and they were really like, if your single was on, and there was not another single there. They're just riding a, a quad by themselves. That was, and then it was doubles. It was, it was every horrible. chair, and they were full on monitoring. Oh, dude, Whistler Black, I'll stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing about that. It's not. Well, people were just getting on and going up. Yeah, like um, they had people monitoring for masks in the lift lines. Really? They had bail yeah. here saying, "Do you want to register when you want to reserve lunch?" That's what they were doing in line here. Do you want to reserve? Because you have to reserve a spot at the in the rendezvous or whatever, right? Yeah. So like everyone's wearing a mask, uh, and they're like, "Anyone want to reserve lunch?" They didn't. I I also wasn't that thick of it. I was at the, I was in you know Alaska waiting for the chair to open pretty much. So I didn't see like how tight it was up front. By the time I got there, it was pretty empty. But that's interesting to think that to, to know that they were doing that down there, and it's pers- pers- responsible. I mean, mm-hmm. was it like on every lift, like on the like, sorry, every lift on the mountain was like that? Yeah. Well, oh. well, there's two lifts. Oh, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, cool. And Cyprus. there's three runs. And there's the entire population of Vancouver. Right. <laughs> they have night skiing, right, don't they? They what? They have night skiing, right? So that's a bonus. They do, they do, yeah. Night yeah. skiing free ride. I've, yeah. I've been happy to say that uh, I've had a couple of friends from Whistler actually come up and come night skiing with me and my daughter. So it was, yeah. it was actually cool. Well, night skiing for me is a big thing from, from, from the East Coast, you South too. Night skiing is a thing. It's like a big thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess, I guess they have, they've the night skiing here, but it feels like in Whistler, I mean, there's no night skiing, obviously, but the bigger resorts, they have a hard time doing it. But, um, you know, like St. Sever and those, like those, the big wall of, of night skiing. Um, that's kind of a tradition for me to like, get home from school and go skiing at night. Mm-hmm. You know, or anywhere, just go skiing. Like you just, I, had a, I had a locker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would, I would go from, I would get off the school bus at Borlage, go in my, all my skiers in my locker, I'd change and then just go skiing. And my dad would pick me up at eight o'clock and take me home. Oh yeah. I had to yeah, go back had, to my locker, put all the stuff back. It had, it was all dry in there. Your right. stuff was dry in the morning. Next time you had to use it. It's pretty good. Sweet. I never had a locker, but, um, when I was a kid, uh, I lived like maybe half an hour from a ski hill. Um, and I'd bike there once in a while as a kid. Mm-hmm. That's a stupid idea, but, um, yeah, we, just skiing at night is cool, man. I mean, it's just a different thing. It's like I've never – I was in Japan a couple of times. I've never skied night there, but it seems like a rad place to ski in, in, at night. But um, One of my yeah. fondest memories skiing ever is night skiing in Japan. 
Yeah, I bet. Yeah. It's always like, it seems it, like it's always pal. It was unbelievable. I will never forget it. Yeah, that's cool. It was, it was myself, Mike, the late JP, Shane Zox, Les, Paul, they were all there. Yeah. And we've been drink. drinking and everything. And I'm like, and I was a night skiing guy. So I'm like, I'm going. And I just left everybody and went up. Headphones and my mini disc player. Remember when you have mini discs? Skip and you're trying. <laughs> <laughs> I have my mini disc player. And I remember listening yeah. to like Van Halen and Ski and Pow just off the side of the run. It was all, like, I'll never forget it. Yeah. That's... You could see it peel off of your knees, like into your peripheral. Just all glowing in the lights. It was pretty cool. That's the kind of shit that keeps you skiing now, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like there's those moments that are just, I, I, there's day, I mean, I've been Japan a couple of times and I just, just, just being on ski trips. I mean, I was talking to who was I, I, don't know who I was talking to, maybe Tristan the other day. But like, just being in a different town skiing is just a cool. Even though it's skiing, and they've mm-hmm. got lifts and they got everything else, same. It just seems it's so cool to be in a different town skiing, just because you're in a different town skiing. Like it's mm-hmm. not anything different than just because I'm not in Japan or I'm in Europe or whatever else. Like I'm just in a different spot, and I don't really know what's happening. But skiing is skiing. It's pretty cool, and it does. Um, it, you know what? You know what? A lot of the skiers in each resort, how they how they would rate your skiing ability. Like say for instance, if when you had another skier come to Whistler and I was kind of showing everybody around like pro skier or whatever. Yeah. It was, you would ski your lines that you know, and it's how far back they were and how, how they would follow you. So when you went to another place, if you like, okay, just trust me, like keep your speed on this thing. And then there's going to be like a, they kind of give you a heads up, but you just, you're just following them. Yeah. And if you can ski well enough to like send with them and trust them and stuff, the level of respect was entirely different. Yeah. I agree with that because it means you just, you respect that person's, their, their line they've chosen and you're a good skier mm-hmm. to keep up. Mm-hmm. Dude, I've, I've, I've been skiing Whistler Black Home for 15 years and I've skied with a pro skier and I'm way behind them. It's like, hey, we're, we're skiing for like maybe two or three minutes, then it's, we just ride the chairlift or they're waiting for me or something. But, <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's a thing is like, and the, the cool thing about it is everybody in a ski town, like everybody wants to show you what, I mean, most people that I've met at ski town, they want to show you where, what they're like. Yeah. They're like, this is cool. And they're pumped. Cause they're like, if they've never been to where you are, they want you to prove, they want to prove this place is just as good as where you're from or where you're skiing from. Oh dude, you show them the shit in Whistler. Yeah. And when you go to Alta or you go to Jackson or you go over to Europe, yeah, they're going to show you the shit. Yeah, and they because they yeah it's, it's it's really cool. I think some of the things that I've noticed in, in this town too is when even patrollers they like the, they do the swap. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met last last winter before this whole place shut down. I, I met a couple of they were there was a group from Jackson Hole here. And I was with a friend of mine who's on patrol. We we're having a beer, and those guys were just like we got to talk about skiing and the idea of like you know like cowboy skiing in in, in the U.S. is just so a bit different. Like mm-hmm. they seem to be like a bit more gnarly. They're all you know like a chewer. They're just kind of like a different kind of guys or girls doing that um mm-hmm. but it's cool to be at a, at a ski resort or a ski town where something like you haven't been before i think that's like uh it's just but it's still pow right still sliding around sliding around have you they, uh powder magazine just obviously had their last issue sad yeah. day yeah but uh one of you know the i'm trying to remember what is what this tagline was again it was like the disgruntled local or I can't remember what, what it was called. Do you remember what it was called? Uh, no, but I think I saw somebody post the article online. It was like an old school yeah. ski. And yeah. he was listing all the people off. In the end, it was like, it was that whole world 
Right. That whole world became its own microcosm of like-minded people that were just in it because it was fun. Yeah. And it really is. I mean, I, I so that part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast was I wanted to ask you because you're you, you might still be more plugged into what's going on at Whistler. Like I'm really now very disassociated with it. Like yeah. As soon as Vale bought it, I kind of lost all love. Like right. It's, yeah. I've seen what they've done to other resorts, and it's just it was a sad day for me. But that being said, uh, uh, what I wanted to ask you is there was a youth culture in Whistler that I was very much immersed in and very part of yeah. and I, and I'm sure it still exists, but how different is it? Like, is it, well, I'm curious to know if these, these little behind the scene things are still happening. I, I really want to know if they are. I, I think, I, I don't know exactly what it's like now, but I do, I think, I think for the most part, anybody who's new to this town or a young kid, whether they've come here, they've grown here, they didn't really, unless they lived here, Whistler Blackcomb, Vale, Fortress, Interwest, they don't really care because they've been growing up in, in if they're, say, say, 30 right now or 20, every resort outside of these small resorts are kind of getting consumed or corporate, right? So, like, unless you're, like, in a small town, I think they're just here to ski and just, like, doing their thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, Park blew up. I, I'm a little bit discounted, too, because I'm, you know, I'm 42 in, a, in, like, a week here, but, like, it's, like, there's still a youth mar- difference. It's just like it's 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 now because of social media. I mean, I have to say it because of social media involved. It's a lot of like tricks are getting faster. Yeah, it's, everything's getting done faster. Like you know, you see a sweet nose butter two seventy dollars, and now it's being done right away. Whereas before, you had to watch someone do it or see it in a movie, then it was done. Right? I think that mm-hmm. I think and I think that. But I see huge crews skiing around now. Like I see like in the park. You know, before you'd ski, be like, you know, five, six guys max, whatever, in a crew, right? Skiing around. Mm-hmm. Now it looks like there's a mob of people in the park, and everyone's always filming. And I think the 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 joy is still there. It's just it's it's just um, a bit more um, showing off, kind of. With but the, I think the heart's still there. I don't know. I mean, I'm still I'm still a kid at heart. I still like you know my hat's crooked and whatever. But like, uh I think the whole idea of Vale stuff for me, I Lisa Richardson, a really good writer, anybody's listening, you obviously know her. She asked me what I thought, and I was like, you know, the oasis is gone. I think everybody's looking for an oasis in the in the mountains, right? I think as mm-hmm. Whistler Black, I mean that's that idea of it's kind of gone as far as the romantic side of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, which which you're well aware of, like which you were part of, right? Help create. Mm-hmm. I think that's gone, but when it snows, it snows, and people who want it to snow are there when it snows at any resort. Mm-hmm. This this town, it's just more expensive. It's less. I think there's less. There's obviously less ski bums. Staff housing still. Yeah. Staff housing is still full of people getting fucked up and partying. Like, there was. Uh, I saw this. This is probably a good example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. When COVID first hit, um, there was a huge party up at base two, like massive party, and they were saying, you know, social distance, and there was a massive party. <coughs> Excuse uh, me. People were jumping on the roof of the two park. Like it was, dude, they were not, it was, they were just chaos. And somebody, but somebody put it on social media and then it all got shut down and people got a bunch of shit for it. Right. But the heart still, but, that's like, still, but that still happens. Yeah. But the heart is oh, still, thank God. Right? Yeah. Thank and like, I think it's like, it, it, I think it'll always happen. It's just that we get older and you don't, you're not, you're just, like you said, you're disconnected. It's not because you left, you disconnected. It's because, 
you don't want to be jumping on the roof of a building trying to knock the shingles off with a beer in your hand. And I mean, I'd love to do that probably tomorrow. I'll try that. But like, mm-hmm. it's just not what we're trying to do. So we don't, we, we don't really turn a blind eye. We're just kind of like our blinders aren't, our eyes are on different things. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's still happening for sure. It's still happening. I walk to the village, people trying to not throw up in the garden. People trying to like, you know, save like, it's still, it's still there. So whether Vail owns it or not, um, I think younger kids are just used to how expensive things are. Um, they still do what we used to do, but just a bit more publicized maybe, you know, and it's easier chance to get yeah, I was just curious to know, cause I, I remember there was, there was a time where there was like a whole other back scene to Whistler that the, the social media wasn't there. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you and I had a, you and I had a mutual colleague who worked in the marketing department. I'm not going to say who it was. I don't even remember. I don't know if I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. She kind of, she, she kind of ran most of the, most of the marketing and she was from Kimberly, I believe. Oh, yeah, and and she was introduced to Mike Douglas, who's no offense there, Mike, but you're a lot more straight arrow guy than some of us. Yeah, and Mike said she's like, oh, well, I want to know about the on mountain stuff and what's going on in the villa. I want the behind the scenes because we want to get a, a more realistic view of what's going on. And Mike flat out told her, said, during the day, I'm your guy, but if you need to talk about night stuff, you got to go and talk to Smiley. Yeah, and she calls me, and I said. Hey, tonight there's a big party in Emerald. You should come and see it. That that'll right. give you a good example of what it was. And I don't, I can't remember if you were around or not when that was happening. But right. Blake Jorgensen lived in a house, the Emerald House. I've been to those parties, and it was, like, it was in my opinion what made Whistler so great. Yeah. You would have these DJs from the UK play a night at Soul Kitchen at Tommy's, right. and then afterwards they'd go to Blake's house and just spin records till the end of the morning. Okay, so that stuff and still happens. Still happens. Oh, I can attest to that. <laughs> okay. I've never been there. Just so I mean, I've never been there. Yeah, I can attest. Oh, that stuff happens. Different people, obviously. Um, I remember seeing her face. Like I kind of forgot she was there, and it was five in the morning or something. Yeah, and it was thumping like just like mattresses against the wall windows it was a rager Everyone and i bump into her in the kitchen and i'm like hey you made it what do you think and she just had this like oh my gosh full can... deer in the headlights look like yeah holy shit <laughs> this like, is actually happening the good thing was, was like when i came to whistler i was already okay with that kind of like you know the dark side of everything yeah. mm. it still happens man I, I don't i haven't been to something like that and you know two or three days but like i'm joking but i haven't been there <laughs> like that in like in a while but like yeah. um it still happens for sure like i mean i've it's not that far gone that, that i've experienced those parties for sure mm. um but i'm also dude there was a party i used to live at this house on eagle drive you know uh greg daniels you know that guy you know that yeah, guy? yeah of course i used to live in his basement he had this he had this house he rented on eagle drive yeah. And it was like this, we live in the basement. He, had this, he would always rent like a bunch of like, you know, this, I don't want to see, but like a bunch of like Aussies and English guys, like they'd come with a bunch of money and there was always a fucking raging party. That place was chaos, right? That was mm-hmm. maybe 10 years ago. Um, but those, the, I've seen on but Facebook. 10 years ago and now is a big difference. Sure. But what I'm saying is that house is still mm-hmm. on Facebook. There's somebody with a video of cops out front, lights going <laughs> like last year, dude, last year somebody oh, like, that's great they do a rail jam because greg used to store all his rails in our backyard there so yeah. the one year the guys upstairs cut the chains and had this like this is yeah get 10 years ago or so had this sick rail jam right mm. well i don't know why it's that one house all the time 
but on Facebook last winter, you'd see like, because there was the house across the street that was a pretty big house too, like this party house. There used to be some hot chicks up there when I lived up there. But anyway, so uh, that would be, yeah, it still happens for sure. It's, I don't know if it just can't be underground anymore because someone goes and takes a video of it and puts it on social media and everybody gets pucked. Like, Idiots. It's not, Idiots. it's just now it's like the risk is higher because someone's yes. going to, hey, look at this cool video and they don't even know. And then someone puts it on Whistler, you know, the Whistler Winter Facebook page and it, mm-hmm. chaos, right? Yeah. But Smiley, I can assure you and I, I can, uh, you can be um, happy that it still happens. Oh, good. Because I wonder, I was wondering if that would curb a lot of it. Because like when I was still doing that, that wasn't really there. Yeah, but bail, like, bail, whatever. Else, it's you still... would see the video of it in the credits at some video magazine that was yeah. at the tail end of another movie that was put out on VHS or CD, you know? And you had to have a VHS camera with you to get it. So it was very rare that you got, you got the footage. Some g- giant dude walking around with a yeah, big yeah. spotlight. Got the cord behind him. But that's still, yeah, I mean, it still happens. It's still there. I mean, as... I just don't know if it happens as much, but you kind of mentioned Vail and stuff in the, in the changeover. I think a ski town's a ski town, and if Vail owns it or not, people are here to ski, and they're going to go underground, they're going to do K, they're going to do Coke, they're going talk to, to Talk to people Talk to people at Arapahoe Basin about that. You're very, I think you're very wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah okay. It was a very much a ski town. Yeah. They took it over. Yeah. Sold it. It's now being re-immersed as a ski town again. Okay, cool. Like a noticeable difference. Right. I, I wrote up this uh, chairlift with somebody who was traveling in just in Canada. Yeah. And she was from there. And she says it's night and day again. Good. There's just, it's like a, a veil has been lifted, literally. Right. Yeah. Pun, pun intended. Yeah. Well, that's good then. I'm, I'm glad I'm wrong because I, uh, mm-hmm. or sorry, I guess I'm glad I'm, I'm bummed that I'm wrong, but I'm glad there's parts of it being fixed back to what skiing is. Yeah. I think like if, if something happens in Whistler where, that corporate, I'm going to take as much of soul out of skiing as possible, yeah. goes away. You know, Whistler might be a, different again. It sucks because this is such a big money maker and the whole town's an investment, right? We're smaller mm-hmm. towns, smaller resorts. There's less investment, there's less reason to buy the place and take it over, right? Because the profits mm-hmm. are, the margins are pretty small. But maybe it's just because Whistler can't, there's so many subdivisions, so many off, it's not just like this town that's been consumed by the resort. Mm-hmm. Still those houses, the outs- those outliers that are still yeah, bumping and thumping and need to probably get torn down and awesome. rebuilt. Did you, did you ever go to a party in the house? This is so Swiss specific, this conversation. It's great. Did you ever go to that uh, blueberry house? Did you ever hear about the blueberry house? Uh, it was like this huge home that somebody had built. Obviously somebody built it. Um, but it had like bunks in the basement and it was like, it was just a massive home. It's like... Uh, I never did. Yeah, I so. never, I never really partied in Blueberry. I partied in Alta Vista. Right. Oh, so Alta Vista. Uh, and it wasn't huge. It was like a little A-frame piece of crap, all dirt floors down on the bottom. Like it was garbage. Dano lived across the street and yeah. used to host. He, he used to host. Um, this is really early days. This is before I was paid. I was just a ski bum. Yeah. And hosted uh, cro- uh, gin and sin parties. Oh, and you got super dressed up. And now people dress up all the time. It's not a big thing. Right. But back then, everyone just wore frumpy, big, baggy clothes. And you couldn't tell a girl from a dude. Yeah. Like, everybody was just the same look. They yeah. just looked like Cousin It with, like, clothing, you know? <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, at Dano's little get-together, 
like full dresses and guys wearing suits. And it was like two in the afternoon playing croquet in the front yard. Mm. Pretty special time, you know, like that was, that was pretty cool. That's a good idea. If we can ever hang out again in groups of more than two people, I think that needs to happen again, the, the, the events. Cause you have like, I remember like when cornucopia comes around and these things happen, these events happen, people do still get dressed up, but it's 150 bucks a ticket. It's all this stuff. And it's like, it becomes this thing yeah. you got to do. You know, uh, people were willing to puke on their suit back then or just like fuck up their They didn't care. They went to the reset center if it even existed back then. I don't know. But like before it was just the use it center, I guess. But like, <laughs> it's like it was a pile of clothes beside the recycling yeah so getting rid of his garbage you just go and grab it yeah, yeah. i think I, that's that spirit i think it's kind of leaving but it's taken a long time because people there's people that come back there's the keep there's probably new key players i don't know about that have mm. come back to town and had those, those 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 iconic parties but yeah they're still there man for sure i okay. i just think I guess what people had this thought of Vale and what was wrong, but it is still just skiing. You know, people would still just go and do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's like more expensive, but my pass was, I mean, 1200 bucks for a pass. It's not that crazy. It used to be more, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wanted to go up and try skiing, it's like $190. To get into the, any, to get into the actual uh, sport now is expensive. It's Mount crazy. Baker, 68 bucks. Sure. And yeah. you can go in with your dog. They right. serve craft beer. Yeah, yeah. and but the espressos are actually proper espressos. Oh, Siri just heard me about craft beer. Oh, really? Me, tried to tell me where it was. Yeah. Stop listening to me. Quit asking. <laughs> we know you're talking, Smiley. Yeah, um, I, I think I don't know, man. I just think skiing's got there's there's less outlets for people to see skiing now. There's less people time. People gonna be stoked. There's less videos to watch. Obviously, less magazines to read. Um, mm-hmm. It's also media to consume but you can still be aware of skiing and watch cool shit but the romance is gone i think for a lot of the, for a lot of it all mm. but, but the exposure to it is is more there even though there's less print and stuff um mm-hmm. and i think the only thing i can say is about but this younger crew coming up is they just and i'm not i'm speaking generally but i can't speak for everybody but they don't get the chance to read a story of like being in Zermatt with these people doing these things or being in, you know, these, you know, sitting at a bar with Treadware, sitting at a bar with like some guy named Stan, whatever, you know, is doing something you know, been there for a hundred years. I think that's a bit different, but I would guess I haven't skied in Europe much, but they are probably still a good, I think that culture probably still lives in Europe more. I don't know if I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't been since my ski days. It's kind yeah. of come to a, an abrupt halt. Yeah. Now, we, now I just go up to Cyprus with my daughter and, yeah, you know, and like how's that? Like, how's watching your your kids grow up? Like, or your kid just one daughter, right? Yeah, like I got one. Yeah, I, I don't have the patience for two. Right, right. <laughs> probably one of would be a patient, probably if you had two. But like, would like that must be, you know, from from your days of skiing and the the way you loved it and the way you got into it. It must do you. Are you like trying to? Your daughter's got to be a skier, or you like do what you want, but skiing's fun. Come with me and do it. I try to parent that way as much as possible. But I, I deep down inside, I was like, "Oh, I really hope she likes doing this," you know. And at the same time, I was, I was incredibly selfish before I had my daughter. Like selfish on a level that is incomprehensible to me. Right. It was right about the good time right now. Everything else, it's like right now. This is the most fun thing to be doing. What are we doing tomorrow? I don't know. But right now, this is what's important. Yeah. Right. And since I have my daughter, and it, 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 
she's taught me uh, to be selfless. She's taught me to be more patient, taught me to be more understanding to humans in general. Like having my kid actually made me a way better human. I was a bit of a prick before, you know, like people say that a lot about everybody in general, not just you, but people like that. Yeah, I know. And I know it's, it's very cliche and stuff, but it it really is. If you're trying to be a good parent, that is the result of it. Right. There's, there's definitely a beneficial side of it. And you know, it was really nice. I got her some new boots. Her feet got bigger. So she got some new boots the other day. She's just walking around the house in them. And I was just like, great. Oh yes. You know, at that moment. What, so when you grew up in Quebec, did you were you did you live were you in a city and had to get out to the mountains or were you? Did no, you no, live? no. I lived I lived in the Gatineau Hills. Like I was forty five minutes outside of Ottawa. Oh, okay, cool. All right, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's things too. Is like I lived out in the country, I lived out in the farmland, and um, you just had this. I think skiing just feels so outside so much. You're kind of used to it. Whereas if you're in the city, I think it's hard to get that exposure and be stoked on something like that. Keep your kid involved on it. But it's a good thing you have those mountains close by. Keep your kids skiing. Um, do you ever try to say, "Hey, do you ever want to try snowboarding?" Or are you like, are you, "Oh my, my his, her mom snowboards." Oh, okay, cool, sweet, nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's just skiing right now when you're learning. I mean, I don't care as long as she's sliding around in snow. I don't care. Yeah, I've got like these visions of like staying in a van up at Baker, like in the parking lot with the whole van crew for a night or two. You know, like with my daughter and having her be snowed because it's snowing outside. Yeah, I really, really would love to see that happen. Yeah, whether it does or not, I'm not. I'm not gonna. It's not going to kill me if it doesn't, but I would really like to see that happen at some point. Dude, everyone's buying vans. I don't even know how you can even find a van. They're all being sold. They're all being bought. And you can buy a beater piece of shit for 40 grand now because I don't put a fucking bathroom in it. Like, it's getting crazy. Like, <laughs> I put some tile in the back of this bathroom. Here's 100 grand for this thing. It's, it doesn't run. It's got 400,000 kilometers. But I think the van life is pretty cool. But now it's um, – I've seen – when I see those posts online – like trying to sell a van. It's like rebuilt, you know, live in camper, 35 grand. It's like a 1985 Ford Econoline, you know, needs some love. You're like, it's got no wheels on it. Like, you can't look at the... <laughs> but that, that kind of van life thing is the, the ski bum became like this kind of almost like they're still around. I've seen some pretty beater vans, but the ski bum thing, it's, you gotta have a sprinter to be a ski bum now with like, you know, uh, the full, the full setup. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think skiing is still pretty rad. We talked about it a bunch. But... What else? So you mountain bike a bunch? Still get out there a ton mountain biking? Yes. Yeah. I, I, because I'm older, I'm trying to be more in shape. So right. I'm riding from East Van to the North Shore. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. What is happening? What happened? I'm having a glitch here. Oh, it looks uh, fine. It's turning on. Anyway. Oh. Um, and I got my wife saying it's three o'clock. We gotta go pick up Charlie. So. Oh yeah, okay. I got a, I got um, yeah, I got something at four o'clock. But um, yeah. I mean, it's been an hour. We can. Yeah, I've been fucking stoked about this. It's been a great conversation. But yeah. okay, yeah, we yeah. can, we can, we can pick this up another time. No yeah, problem. Sure. Yeah, but um, I, so you're still mountain biking. Like, but wait, you live in Venables? I won't, never mind. You live somewhere. Well, I won't say where you yeah. live. In case, yeah, because the, the amount of uh, viewers I have is crazy. So I don't want to try. <laughs> but um. No, but I live in East Van and I ride over to the shore, yeah. ride the trails on the shore and then ride home. It's, wow. it's like a 30 kilometer ride every time I go and do a rip. And you got to cross so, Second Narrows, which is a yeah. I used, to, I used to have a place in Burnaby when I worked for Arcteryx. I would rent a place part time, yep. bike back and forth. That bridge yeah. sucks, dude. That, that's my, oh, that's a terrible. Bike ride. That's it's a bike terrible. ride. The bridge alone, yeah. just there and back is good. Yeah, but I've, I'm, I'm actually 
not to boast or anything, but I am in as good a shape now physically, like as I was when I was skiing full on. Nice. It's good, man. And I'm pretty yeah. happy about that. But I was not that two years ago. I was probably in the worst shape of my whole life. Right. Yeah. Well, you turn the corner. I think older, I think the older we get, like I'm trying to get in better shape now. And I think you just become more aware of the fact because you're in the outdoors and skiing and doing these things and you watch step away, like, man, I can't, I can't let that slip away so bad. And you get reinvigorated because I think the age thing starts to make you want to get back in shape again. So then you're, you start to bike a bunch and, and mountain biking is so good now that it's so popular and the trails are great. You stay in shape. It's good. And you just, it's good. You don't drink as much beer. So that's a crazy, beer is out of control. I really want to continue this conversation, but I am getting freaked out right now. I got to go. Okay, cool. Well, Smiley, thanks for coming on my show, man. It's been great. Uh, I'll talk to you anytime. And um, go take care of your family. Everybody I do there. Uh, we'll talk with I got to be a dad. All right. <laughs> take care, everybody. We'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Ciao. All right. Yeah, bye.